In the film Batman Begins, when Bruce Wayne intends to return to Gotham to fight the criminal elements plaguing the city, he realizes he needs something to differentiate himself from a common vigilante. He needed a symbol. His words were, People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed. But as a symbol, as a symbol, I can be incorruptible. I can be everlasting. Symbols and emblems are not new inventions of the comic book industry, but tools used by cultures, religions, and political groups since before the written word. Even the earliest form of written communication came in the form of symbols, used for their near-universal nature of understanding. Symbols have power for communicating intentions and ideas without saying anything. It's why people have a Jesus fish on the back of their car. Green means go. A red cross represents the Red Cross organization. A responsibility we have when using symbols is to understand the history of the symbol and how it may be interpreted. Graphic designers make sure they didn't accidentally put a swastika in a company's logo for this reason. In 1974, a new character was created with a symbol that already had connections to death, but would take that idea further, showing a violent hero, well, or vigilante, or villain, depending on how you look at it, with no line he would not cross to stop the bad guy. As the character became more popular, the symbol became fully attached to everything he stood for. His name was Frank Castle, better known as the Punisher, and he kills without consequence. Because we always need another issue. Comic books have given us some of the longest-lasting characters who inspire and sometimes motivate us to do better. Sadly, the industry behind them is not beholden to such ideals. From controversial stories and censorship to double-crossing companies leaving creators in obscurity, the history of sequential art is dark, deep, and complex. In comic books, there is a name for the tomes that we dig through exploring the full history, good and bad, of the characters we love. These are Back Issues. Making his first appearance in an issue of The Amazing Spider-Man, Frank Castle has always been a violent hero. Originally intended by Jerry Conway to just be a small character, his appearance captured the imagination of readers who sought for more mature storytelling. The Punisher was not just a violent character, but his point of view was informed by traditional superhero history, the loss of his family, and his own experiences with war and how the only tools he had to right wrongs and find vengeance for his family was through the skills he had gained as a soldier. Later exploration into the mind of Frank Castle would find a man broken by his experiences in war, making commentary on the effects of PTSD and the way governments deal with what are sometimes considered broken soldiers. Since then, the Punisher has been near constantly headlighting his own comic series, adapted into live-action films 
let's see, one, two, three times? Along with appearances in the live-action Daredevil series before he got his own Netflix show, starred in some video games, showed up in numerous Marvel cartoons, including the now-classic 1990s Spider-Man, and most recently has been found in a, the comics as a version of Ghost Rider in the future. Needless to say, the character and his abilities are far from obscure or unknown. The Punisher, to some, is considered pure vigilante. He firmly believed that the system is seeped in so much failure that he has taken the responsibility of judge, jury, and executioner. Reading about the character as a result of a failed system and PTSD, Frank's story can be an eye-opening example of the flaws in our society. Again, Jerry Conway, the publisher's creator, noted that the character has changed and adapted to the times from when he was created. He said, quote, For me, in the early 70s, he was, you know, a response to a dysfunctional era in American history. In the 80s, he's a triumphant character representing, you know, a black and white view of the world. And in the 2000s, he's the dysfunctional Punisher, the despairing tragic hero who is really an outcast and no longer re represents anything except his own id. Going back to his beginning, he made his first appearance in a small role in Amazing Spider-Man number 123 in 1973. Thinking that Spider-Man had murdered Norman Osborn, as the Punisher, Frank sought to kill Spider-Man. His mission was clear from his first appearance. Kill those criminals who operate outside the law. But later appearances would add a lot of nuance to the character. In a great example that representation matters, he was quickly adored by those who shared his background. Frank Castle was a veteran. He had seen a lot of combat and knew how complicated and complex the government's treatment of soldiers is. On top of this, his use of a variety of weapons and firearms attracted a large number of gun enthusiasts, whose population often overlaps with military personnel. Through the 80s, the Punisher continued to grow in popularity, starring in several of his own series in the early 1990s. In a breakdown of his history over at Comic Book Resources, the writer included some letters pages in the back of these issues, which come from fans who can relate to the Punisher's military experiences and his attitudes towards crime. Also of note is descriptions of how Marvel was misusing weapons jargon and what those terms really meant. The largest exposure of the character and symbol would occur when a veteran wrote the best-selling book, American Sniper. Chris Kyle wrote, quote, He righted wrongs. He killed bad guys. He made wrongdoers fear him. We spray-painted the Punisher logo on our Hummers and body armor, and our helmets and all our guns. We spray-painted it on every building or wall we could. What we wanted people to know, we're here, and we want to fuck with you. Chris and his group utilized the symbol on their weapons, attire, and even painted it onto buildings. Eventually, the Iraqi military police began to use the symbol as well, despite the character's lack of exposure in the country. For these police and soldiers, it was a way to identify themselves as being in solidarity 
with their American counterparts. Together they were working to fight the evil that was destroying their country. This sentiment slowly bled into our own, though. Just as there is crossover between military and gun enthusiasts, so there is between military and police here in the United States. Due to the popularity of the film version of American Sniper by Clint Eastwood, you know, despite the obviously fake baby in that one scene, there was a rise in the use of the Skull logo in police departments across the country. Some officers wore it on their uniforms, plastered it on their cards, or had it placed onto their weapons. The symbol has been similarly appropriated by the Blue Lives Matter movement and many conservative groups, some of whom were active in the January 6, 2021 attack on our nation's capital. Ed Clark, president of the St. Louis Police Officers Association, had this to say about the use of the symbol by officers. Quote, the blue line symbol and the blue line punisher symbol have been widely embraced by the law enforcement community as a symbol of the war against those who hate law enforcement. It's how we show the world that we hold the line between good and evil. It's these sentiments that has many groups concerned about how the symbol is not misunderstood by police groups, but an acknowledgement of their willingness to abuse or break the law if they feel it is their moral right. They look at it as a symbol, again, a symbol of the war against those who hate law enforcement. Are they going to attack them? Are they going to break the law to do this? Describing the police's objective as holding the line between good and evil can be interpreted as law enforcement being able to decide what to do based on their own personal morals and ideals. In any group of people who share beliefs, there are still going to be differences of opinion. According to many, this idea of war against other groups and deciding who is right and wrong is counter to what the police are supposed to stand for. According to the Bureau of Justice Statistics, quote, the primary duties of law enforcement include the investigation, apprehension, and detention of individuals suspected of criminal offenses. Note that it states suspected of criminal offenses, because in the United States we are innocent until proven guilty. It is not the officer's job to use excessive force based on their own perception of events and gut feelings. They are a part of an entire system. This is where the Punisher and the duties of a police officer really differ. The Punisher, as an individual citizen, believes that system to be so broken and his beliefs to be so right that he operates as a vigilante counter to and outside of that system. The Punisher does believe himself to be able to make all of the decisions that our entire justice system is built to make. In an interview with Forbes, the creator again, Jerry Conway, stated, quote, The Punisher is representative of the failure of law and order to address the concerns of people who feel abandoned by the legal system. It always struck me as stupid and ironic that members of the police are embracing what is fundamentally an outlaw symbol. Their reasoning was that the man had allegedly stolen the badge and wallet of one of their officers. This was never proven, and even if it were, their response to that incident is clearly a gross overreach. 
From Comics Alliance, their response was to, quote, beat him savagely, kicking him in the head and groin, cutting off his clothes, jamming pins in his ears, and threatening him with a knife and a gun. A group within the Milwaukee Police Department, which included this group of officers, would end up being investigated by Captain James Galaweski twice, in 2005 and 2007. A common piece of each investigation was the group's use of the Punisher skull on vehicles, clothing, hats, and ass tattoos. Again, from the Comics Alliance, the captain described the group in the reports, quote, This is a group of rogue officers within our agency, who I would characterize as brutal and abusive. At least some of the officers involved in the Jude case were associated with this group, although there is reason to believe the membership extended beyond those who were convicted in the case. End quote. In this case, the symbol is not guilty, but the issue stems from the group's public use of it in combination with their views on how to use their power as officers. I can understand how someone who is not aware of the character's history or who chooses to ignore it may be attracted to the symbol. Growing up, I sported a skull-laden sandana in my paintball tournaments. I felt it made me look dangerous and skilled. I wasn't either of those things. <laughs> Despite my own love of the symbol, even I must admit that the skull symbol has clear associations with a number of meanings, mostly negative. Pirates used it to represent their ruthlessness and cause despair in those whom they attacked. Religiously, the skull is often used to symbolize death. A skull and crossbones is a well-known symbol to use on poisons. Even Marvel's own character, Ghost Rider, whose face turns into a burning skull, which is probably the only good thing about both of the Ghost Rider movies, is associated with the powers of hell. In some Mesoamerican cultures, you would find stacks of skulls that represent the use of human sacrifice. There are many more examples that come to mind, but I'm sure you get the gist. The skull is not often used to symbolize the righteous. Now to address another elephant in the room, various other superheroes have killed or used deadly weapons in their quest for justice. Superman kills General Zod, Ursa, and Meathead Non in this film Superman 2. Early Batman stories had him carry a gun. In most recent Avengers movies, you could not even argue to me that the Hulk does not end up killing every Hydra soldier he throws a fist at. So no, the Punisher killing villains is not what keeps him at the top of public hit lists on violent superheroes. This might be the first thought that comes to our heads when we think about our issues regarding the Punisher as a hero, but that's not what gives the argument steam. People love superheroes and promoting the ones that inspire them. Even with the Punisher's problematic behaviors, I could understand why someone would want to bear his iconic skull. The Punisher is a man in a world of super beings who seeks to use his skills to make a difference. Like many, he sees what is wrong with the way of things are, and the loss of his own family spurs him to take matters into his own hands. He has many noble qualities and it is okay to identify with his point of view and experiences. The grand concern comes down to this for many people. Police, harbingers of law and justice, 
are utilizing the symbol of a man who works outside of the law, brandishing punishments such as murder as he sees fit because only they know where the line of good and evil is. You have to ask yourself, would you want anyone, think of everyone you know, whose goal it is to serve and protect, to decide for themselves what is good and evil, and serve out punishments accordingly? Is the world really so simply black and white? Despite the positive aspects of the character, can we really ignore the negative mythology behind this symbol? Back Issues was written, edited, researched, and birthed by me, Marcus Robertson. I really hope you're enjoying this first season, and if you do, consider subscribing or going to my social media links below and saying hello. Furthermore, if you are willing to give, I do have a Patreon. I want to continue to explore all that comics have to offer, and I can share that journey with your help. Thank you so much for already giving me your valuable time. You're the best, and I cannot wait to share more with all of you.